Welcome back to another episode of the Web3 Show. I'm Luca, the frontman of the show, and as always, it's my privilege to bring to you the Wizards, possibly for the the one of the last few times being Wizards before we do our uh, much-anticipated rebrand we've been talking about, and we want to uh, we want to get that going <laughs> quite soon. Uh, let's let's see if this turns into into uh, months and months of waiting for this to happen. Uh, but that is that is in the works, and it's also another episode of uh, me being the odd one out because uh, your guy and Trad Fi and Q are sitting together again, uh, trying to get that uh, that alpha chemistry, trying to trying to make the magic happen together. While I just uh, ask the questions, boys, how are you feeling? Uh, how's how's the holiday going? Uh, how was the steak tonight you had? It was good. Yeah, we did a we did a bit of a, a truffle basin on our sirloin steak, so it was pretty decent. I went uh, My dream evening in South my... Africa is just spectacular. Like my I'm dream sure. evening consists of truffle and crypto. <laughs> Locked in a couple of trades, ate some truffle steak, drinking sure... some whiskey, and doing a podcast. What better way to spend a Tuesday? Literally, I'm. I mean, I was gonna say, surely there were there were gonna be some whiskeys busted out, but Luca, you're not living up to to your end of the billing yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna. We obviously, that does obviously uh, indicates we're not gonna have a fiery performance like the last time. Maybe a more uh, more tempered, more calculated. Yeah. Sorry, your guy and Chad fire this evening. I'll pick. I'll, uh, pick up the, I'll pick up the slack. Oh, that, that just that just means more um, outrageous Q takes to come. So <laughs> things things to look forward to. But right, let's get into it. <laughs> Q, uh, let's kick it off with you though. Uh, with with the market update, uh, what has happened in the past week? Um, things seem all over the place from my from my uh, perspective. Obviously, we had the the big launch of ApeCoin, which we will chat about at some point um but a bit of a rally a bit of a relief rally of the weekend especially in crypto uh give us your consensus what's happening in the markets yeah so i mean well firstly just to kick off on the most pressing news duquan bought his first 120 million dollars worth of bitcoin today so we've seen some some bullish sentiment come through after that uh, btc purchase um but yeah basically last week uh, we got on a technical front a pretty crucial break of a four hourly chart um, on the Bitcoin, which gave us the breakout from 40K. We had a nice strong push up to 42 before getting rejected. Um, and ultimately, now we back up, coming to retest that 43K level. So, what we've seen on the charts at the moment is a lot of bullish sentiment come through. Um, dominance is starting to, to favor the altcoins. We've seen Ethereum have. A strong breakout, uh, especially versus its uh, BTC pair, but also versus the USD pair. And that's largely due to the speculation of a mer the ETH merge date being announced soon. Um, we did get our testnet shift last week. Um, and from what we do know last year, when we got a, a EIP-1559 shift to testnet, um, it was approximately two months later that we had it um, shift to mainnet. So, yeah, we, we, can see, we can see some bullish narratives coming through for the Ethereum play. But the most important chart for me at the moment to date is one that I touched on last week. Um, that is the USDT dominance chart. And basically what we've seen is, if you were here for last week's episode, you'll know about the, the big uptrend that I've been speaking about. Well, we've officially closed two daily candles below this trend and we've lost trends. So, what does that mean, Johnson? So basically the last time we lost this trend was when we came out of the July well, May, July dip last year when Bitcoin broke up from 28K where, where I went short <laughs> and got wrecked. Um, <laughs> Bitcoin broke up from 28K and actually made a strong rally back up to those low 40s. Um, you know, we saw USDT dominance fall, which basically means, you know, when the market shows periods of volatility, we see altcoins bleed, stablecoin dominance climb because it's a safe asset or risk off assets in a sense. And we see Bitcoin dominance climb. But since last week, Wednesday, we've started to see USDT dominance fall from 4.8% down to 4.2%. And Bitcoin dominance has taken a similar tumble 
um, you know, showing equal weakness, losing its trend that it was following on an upward level as well. So this is kind of showing us that the market is starting to point in favor of altcoins. And we've seen this largely in various breakouts with AVAX, especially considering the conference that's currently taking place. We have seen Solana move from $80 to over $90. We've seen Ethereum break back above 3K. And we're starting to see all these bullish narratives come through for the altcoin markets. So while Bitcoin is technically still in this major sideways consolidation phase, and ultimately until we break through that 45, 46K zone, we're technically still just going to be in a crab market and ultimately in a very boring market. The recent positivity that we've seen and the volume spikes that we've seen come in have been largely very bullish and have shown a lot of strong buying sentiment for the markets. So, you know, if we do get rejected here, it would make sense. We are testing major support levels and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a rejection back down to sweep those 38 to 36K zones to retest support before we continue up again. But my bullish bias is that we continue up to break through that 45, 46K resistance and find rejection around 48K before coming down for a retest of 45, 46. So ultimately, we're looking pretty good in the market. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's short-term volatility. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, considering we've got the interest rate hike expectation for the last week of 25 basis points, which is the market price then, um, you know, we had the bullish narrative of ApeCoin, which I know we'll touch on later. And, you know, we've got Duquan looking to purchase $10 billion of Bitcoin for its Bitcoin reserve. You know, there's a lot of bullish things coming into play. And, you know, despite that, we've seen various Malaysia announce possible, or well, announce, um, the, the investigation into legalizing Bitcoin as legal tender. You know, there, there's various macro bullish factors coming in for the crypto market. And I think it's all starting to reflect in price action finally. But that being said, until we get through 45, 46, we're not out of the woodworks. We're more just in a sideways consolidation. And to be honest, we could continue this consolidation until the end of April. Now, there is another narrative at play here. Um, and that is the Fed narrative. So we have seen that... The 25 basis point rise was, as I said, what the market expected and was ultimately priced in. But there is possibility of a 50 basis point rise in May. Now, whether that happens or not, we don't know. But discussions of it is on the car on the table. And what we do know about crypto is the market tends to overreact. So as you know, our legendary Twitter man, Ted Talks Macro, stated, I wouldn't be surprised if we see risk on sentiments until mid to end April. Um, following this bullish Bitcoin break, following the bullish Bitcoin news about the yield reserve for Luna, following all the macro bullish news um, about BTC, we see a strong move for Bitcoin, possibly even to the mid 50s come mid-April before we see a strong capitulation event centering around the FUD of a 50 basis point interest rate hike mid-May. So yeah, I think right now we sit in a pretty volatile period, but the probability lies to the bullish sentiments. Um, and that's kind of how I'm playing the market with very tight stop losses. So short-term bullish, medium-term bearish, long-term always bullish. Sounds like uh, there's some jeopardy over uh, Michael Saylor's position as the gigachad of Bitcoin with uh, Duquan, <laughs> Duquan coming in with some serious weight. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be that's going to be fascinating, and I think we, we may have to do a topic about that in itself. Uh, but yeah, thanks Q uh, as always for a great market update. More to come next week. And uh, you mentioned uh, some sentiment returning to altcoins. Well, we saw the biggest altcoin release of all with ApeCoin, uh, the much revered and uh, rumored coin token uh, associated with the board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, we covered last week on episode 18, obviously their Yuga Labs, the creator of board Apes, their acquisition of CryptoPunks, the IP of CryptoPunks and MeBits, which was absolutely massive in the NFT space. And they've just ridden that momentum they've gotten uh, with on Thursday, airdropping the Ape coin, 15% uh, of the so total supply of the coin, which Jonty and uh, your guy and Trad Fi is going to breakdown now um they that airdrop happened on thursday uh with a huge blow up in the in the coin um and we also saw them drop a teaser trailer for their metaverse 
game, uh, play-to-earn game potentially or metaverse ecosystem essentially that they are partnering with Animoca Brands on, which is absolutely massive, Animoca being the, the creator of the sandbox. So before we dive into all of that and what this all means and, and everything going on with ApeCoin, John, break down what was happening in the charts from the time they, they, they released the coin uh, last week, Thursday, um, up until now, including the legendary short, which you've uh, been talking talking to a bit uh, about uh, offline. And um, I want to hear more more about this uh, legendary short, especially. Uh, what's What's been happening with this token and, and uh, what's your outlook for it? Yeah, well, I mean, as we as with any ecosystem token, there's bound to be strong volatility. But as we speak now, since 2 p.m. this afternoon, so 4 p.m., sorry, South African time, we've seen ApeCoin actually just have a 16% surge. So it's showing a lot of strength today um, after somewhat of a double bottom uh, position here where we got the breakout from a double bottom. But yeah, basically, you know, we, we saw this token list um, and... You know, kind of as expected, the, the tokenomic breakdown was about 15% allocated to airdrop tokens, which was around 150 million tokens. And this was distributed between Ape holders, Kennel Club holders, and Mutant Ape Yacht Club holders. Board Ape holders being the ones that received the most tokens. But what was interesting to note is that launch contributors, which accounted for 140 million tokens or 14% of the supply, have tokens locked. And I'm going to assume as well that team allocation has tokens locked as well. So what we saw was the token rocket to, on some exchanges, it hit almost $38. So let's just round that up to $40. And if you look at a billion circulating supply hitting $40, that market valuation is nuts. So so basically the legendary short came in that. John, quickly, uh, sorry, sorry to jump in here and interrupt you, but just for, uh, I'm just conscious, obviously, for people who aren't up to speed exactly with how tokenomics work and stuff, you mentioned something about circulating supply. What exactly does that mean? And just put it into context of how many coin or to- ape coin tokens are currently in, in, uh, in the liquid market, essentially. So basically circulating supply is the amount of tokens that are circulating in the current market where total supply is the total supply of all tokens available to the project. Now, total supply includes locked tokens and what locked tokens are, are tokens that are going to only be released into the circulating market at a predetermined date or period. So basically, if you're a VC investor into a project, your allocation would usually be distributed over six to two year, six month to two year period, which means that you'll receive whether it's linear unlocks or however the unlock schedule is determined. It varies from project to project, but basically, let's call it a linear monthly unlock. Every month, you'll receive a portion of your allocation for being an early back of the project. And the reason why they do this is because VC investors or early backers to projects usually get tokens at incredibly low prices and to avoid the token just dumping to all hell and gone they have to do these unlock schedules to mitigate the down or the sell pressure that vcs or big whale investors will cause for a token so with apecoin for example about 14 percent of the supply was committed to lock tokens and a further eight percent for the team which again i assume is lock tokens as well so you're looking. Yeah, at the almost, team is the team is locked up for twelve months. Eight percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so and you know also sixteen percent to Yuga Labs and you know, th- th- there's a lot of a lot of interesting distributions here. And basically, what came into effect here was that people realized that a forty dollar token evaluation was incredibly overvalued. Like, how could an NFT profile picture project, no matter how big the ecosystem it's tapping into, be valued at more than Phantom, more than almost more than Solana, almost more than a lot of these layer one protocols, which have development, economic use case and all of that. So basically, the token took a strong dive all the way back down to about $9. On some exchanges, it hit as low as $6 due to the volatility. And before we saw this massive dip in price, there was a bit of a research back up to a $15 token price. And it was at this point that the legendary short was signaled, 
where big players in the space and due to shown on on-chain data as well, early backers of the ApeCoin actually open short positions to lock in market price. Yeah, to lock in the market price over and above their lock tokens. But to do this, they had to pay a 615% APR funding rate on their short position, which basically means that they're locking in tokens. They're banking on this token to dump and they know that their unlock schedule, they're never going to get this price again. So by opening a short with such a high funding rate, they've basically said that, you know what, we're going to lock in $15 per egg token because we know by the time we receive our unlock, we're guaranteed to double up on our money and pay back that funding rate because that funding rate will be next to nothing compared to the ROI that we'll receive by shorting this token. And subsequently, these guys shorted it from $15 and it crashed all the way down for a 34% dump where a lot of uh, big players took profits on that short. Now, what we've seen since then is a slight climb and rise. And basically, a lot of people have been kind of aping into the Ebcoin. And it's been, it's been a, bit of a, a bit of a hype narrative as well. But ultimately, there's no reason why this coin can't go back to $2 or $3 or even $4 at, you know, at, at a high, I would say. Upper bound, $4, low bound, $2. And the reason why I say that is because there's still a lot of ape holders sitting with free tokens. And while the ape community, you know, is a hodl community, I mean, most board ape owners hold their board apes from 0.08 ETH all the way up to 120 ETH. You know, while there's been a strong hodl mentality amongst the community, if you're receiving a six-figure airdrop, you know, what kind of person are you if you don't liquidate <laughs> that? Like, it's literally free money, six figures, which is life-changing to most people in crypto. Um you know, maybe not most board ape owners, but you know, think about it. You're holding a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar JPEG, and you just receive fifty percent off an airdrop. Like, it's the perfect way to de-risk yourself completely. Well, um, I would, I would say they're foolish, but you would probably say something, yeah. something more intense or aggressive, right, Johns? <laughs> I mean, I was getting ready to, but I think we'll settle for foolish. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's 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 basically the fact is that. Guys didn't get to sell their airdrops at $15, so why would they sell it at 9 is the kind of mentality. So right now we're seeing a resurgence. We're sitting back at $12.40 on ApeCoin um, for a decent long position from $9. What's stopping these guys from liquidating the six-figure airdrop again? You know, why won't this token dump when such a large portion of liquidity, you know, besides 470 million tokens being sent to the Treasury DAO, Everything else is pretty much based on unlock schedules and airdrops, which means there's just going to be constant downside pressure throughout the emission schedule. And, you know, a lot of people overlook that. And while I think ApeCoin could largely be incredibly successful to the metaverse that they're building, the gaming ecosystems, the business models that are built around the board Ape name, you know, as owners get to hold the IP rights, in the short term, I'm actually inherently bearish on ApeCoin. But medium to long term, provided the team executes and pulls us off, this sets a new precedent for NFT projects. I mean, if board apes fail with this ape coin, no other NFT project will be able to do this because we know Yuga Labs has acquired the biggest NFT projects. They are the blue chip of the space now. Board apes, punks, mebits, you know, they kind of setting a precedent here that, you know, they can create an ecosystem around a profile picture that's more than just a profile picture. It's community, it's metaverse, it's GameFi, it's bringing in all these elements. And on top of that, they've got IRL businesses, coffee shops, things like that functioning in various cities all over the world. And integrating ApeCoin into those business models could be huge revenue mechanisms for the, for the company. So there's a lot of application for the Ape token, but in the short term, why can't it dump to 50 cents, you know? Right, and I want to bring in uh, your guy in Tradfire because I know he's uh, sipping his tea, chomping at the bit, wanting to to have a have a take on ApeCoin. Um, Luca, how how much at this stage, right, when a token has literally just been released into the market, you know, five days prior, how much of what's happening to the coin at this stage is actually due to fundamental things happening? Because obviously, we saw you know, the 
the ApeCoin ApeCoin token get released. We saw the the, the tokenomics breakdown. Um, we saw the structure of, of uh, you know, from the Ape Foundation, which is essentially the company that has all of the IP rights bestowed onto it, who is going to sort of execute the willings uh, or the, the, the wishes of the Ape DAO, which is um, the decentralized autonomous organization that is going to be voting on things they want to do within the Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem. And with, with, with the, you know, the dropping of the game trailer and the partnerships with Animoca Brands and all of that sort of quote-unquote fundamental bullishness, how much of the token price that we're seeing in the movements now in these early stages, whether it's ApeCoin or any other early stage project, how much is that actually tied to the fundamentals versus purely the tokenomics and the emission schedules, a lot of what uh, John T has just been talking about? And drawing on your perspectives from investing in early stage projects as well. I would actually um, argue that fundamentals generally the, the brand behind the token actually drives a lot of the hype and initial price action. I think often though, what people don't realize is that the tokenomics, basically the long-term emission schedules of these tokens drives token price and value long-term in addition to, I guess, in this case, um, execution on roadmaps. So I think right now we're definitely in a hype cycle. Um, I mean, Yuga Lab have consolidated the NFT space. This is, <laughs> this is, this is maybe even the most convenient way of betting on NFTs without wanting to hold the liquid JPEGs. Right, I think it's 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 a fascinating idea for a hyper successful NFP, NFT project to actually create money, um, in a sense, which will then work in kind of internal economies, used in real life businesses. So the the big challenge for Yuga Labs will be actually creating utility for this token. The fate of almost all NFT project tokens. Uh, is a slow and painful bleeding out, right? So this, if, if, if Yuga can't do it, I think it's going to take a long time uh, to see another kind of inflow of capital on the scale we've seen, uh, we've seen here with, with Yuga and the launch of the app token. But Luca, that sounds very counterintuitive because, you know, to many, I'm sure sitting here, you think, oh, wait, but fundamentals surely determine what's going to happen in the long term like you just said fundamental utility all of that but, and i've i've heard you mention this is some of these projects that you've looked at their tokenomics are set up so badly that you that you said and i've never asked you this in detail so that's why i'm i'm fascinated to know, to know and i'm sure everyone else will be how is it that tokenomics can have such a big effect that essentially you can set your project up to just go to zero Explaining, explaining just from a ground-up basis. Well, token token price um, in many cases um, is basically governed by a liquidity pool or multiple liquidity pools or markets. Where, uh, at least in the case of a liquidity pool, you've um, got basically two portions of tokens kind of set together. Uh, you you would have Ape ETH, for example, on Uniswap. Um, and then if you want to sell ETH, you have to, I mean, if you want to sell the app token, you have to take ETH out of the pool. And then the ratio changes and the, the amount of app you need to deposit to take out one ETH increases. The, pro the problem many projects face um, is that you, you, only, you have limited liquidity. And if you have high emissions, the only place to basically sell these tokens um, is by depositing them into these liquidity pools. And it basically just decimates the price. Ape has the advantage of multiple markets on exchanges. Um, and, and of course, they've got the brand, they've got the roadmap, they've, they've got the capital now to execute on it. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am not uh, a really bullish medium term. You know, I think the, the funds, how much did they raise? their team allocation was, I mean, was, was that 80 million tokens <laughs> that's like over a billion dollars so we'll see if they don't fall in the in in kind of the, the the trap many successful crypto farmers fall into which is you know you you raise 
insane amounts of capital when you get a token and you're basically retired permanently, even if the price kind of breaks in by 90%. But 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 fundamentally, the, the reason why token prices get decimated long term is because the price is only sustained by these liquidity pools in many cases, and that's the only destination for people wanting to offload tokens. If If there is no utility for a given currency, why hold it? That's the fundamental question, right? So the issue with NFT projects often and their tokens is that the utility is limited to the products that the NFT project can create itself, right? Like merchandise, for example, or um, um, branded mugs. The moment the product space that is accessible to um, a, a utility token increases you've got real utility and a chance to actually sustain higher prices for longer. I mean, the <clears throat> the primary goal of the team is basically going to be to reduce bleeding as far as possible. So so we're going to see how, how that plays out over the next while. Yeah. Because essentially what you want, and you think to Axie Infinity, which is probably the most successful play-to-earn game currently, how I, I'm assuming how they obviously, you know, create utility for their token. They 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 develop a, a whole, you know, ecosystem and economy within their game. And it looks like, uh, you know, Ape Dial, Ape Foundation, Board Ape Yacht Club, whatever you want to call it. Now they essentially want to do that, partnering with Animoca, create a really beautiful game with all of these NFTs IP, you know, bringing all these yeah. intellectual properties together within a game putting in sort of economic activities to do within that game, staking your tokens, transacting with users, buying skins, buying NFTs maybe within their game. And you create this whole economy and that's how you lock people into an ecosystem. That's how you sustain value and essentially, you know, use the forces of supply and demand to drive up your token price and create more long-term value. Um, And it's quite interesting, actually, I just had a thought thinking about what they could do. Um, John, I don't know if you have a, Thoughts on this? Just because I don't know if you guys did. You guys watch the trailer um, that they dropped uh, for Other Side, which is this uh, metaverse project they're doing. Um, yeah, it was, it was very a, cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Like, how cool was that moment when on the ship you have the board ape looking into the ship, and it's like CryptoPunks, uh, Me Bits, World of Women, um, Cool Cats, like all of the different you know basically blue chip NFT projects being listed there that's like, like it was a scene from an avengers show yeah literally and i mean <laughs> essentially you know maybe the the most diehard marvel fans won't won't say that they got the same reaction as that but uh you know as them getting a reaction to to avengers but similar i, I think amongst the crypto community because essentially what they're doing is they're inviting not only their own ip which they hold you know, five of the biggest projects by market cap and, and value essentially through their newly acquired IP and, and the board apes, but also other blue chip projects like Cool Cats, World of Women um, into their metaverse. And we don't know what this is going to entail, but it seems as though they've got the brand, they've got the, they've got the publicity, they've got the momentum to, you know, build the, the first, you know, truly open and, most maybe highly used metaverse game, whatever you like to call it. But then also, Luca, what you mentioned is there's that interesting dynamic where they've literally had it, you know, the founders have had a huge liquidity event. And I saw some, some questions being asked uh, from David Hoffman, particularly um, from Bankless, you know, especially over the bit where in the, in the distributions, it's 16% of the token, uh, ApeCoin token goes to Yuga Labs, 8% goes to the Board Ape Yacht Club founders. Essentially, he was like, oh, but aren't those two the same people? So it's like you're sort of allocating, like, you know, double dipping your allocation. And then obviously, you know, you, you've had, you, you have this huge liquidity event. And uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts, John, on like how big it could get, but also, you know, the, the fundamental risks over that, you know, that I've just raised, you know, that, that 
and and these things we've we've seen a lot of NFT projects capitulate in similar ways. Well, yeah, I mean, I I just kind of think like this all boils down to the the same thing. It's the fact that you know crypto is largely a speculative market, and while there's speculation to be had, prices will pump. But you know, the moment we see some weakness in macro markets, the moment we see weakness in Bitcoin, you know, there's no reason why Bitcoin will stay strong. So I think at the end of the day, you know, provided fundamentals all go smoothly, you know, we might see a successful Ape token, but the inherent risks are the same as investing in any new asset class, any new kind of project, you know, being at the forefront of its niche. Like we've never seen anything done like this before. I mean, the most similar thing I can compare it to is Genesis Kongs, which, you know, is more just a farming token rather than what Apecoin's trying to do, which is significantly more than what Kongs were doing with their with their banana tokens. And so, define and define successful, right? Like, yeah. I mean the token could do well in relative terms, comparing it to other altcoins in general, but it could still go down in market cap. Exactly. Basically. Like it could be successful but end up at a dollar in relative terms. Yeah. I mean like look look what happened with Uniswap when it did its airdrop. You know, initially it listed at like a hundred million dollar market cap and the token price was two, three dollars. It was I think it was like three dollars if I'm not mistaken. You know, but then the market cap ended up climbing to a billion, but the token price remained at two, three three dollars. And yeah, so so I think it all boils down to, you know, what is your conviction in the project if you're gonna buy into it firstly? Like, do you actually back the team knowing that they've got over 24% of the supply of the tokens between themselves and Yuga Labs? Like, what what is the plan? You know, like, how how far do these guys want to go with it? Like, at what point, like Lucas said, I mean, they received over a billion dollars just through their team allocation to the founders. Like, at what point do they just say, well, you know, we've had enough? You know, at what point do they say, <laughs> I'm Andre Cronier, you know, I've... I'm exactly. over it now. I've made yeah. enough money. I'm just going to walk away. You know, and <laughs> the moment that happens, we know how a speculative market overreacts to to anything and everything. So, you know, we could see Yuga Labs, the Ape token, trading at twenty dollars, but the board Ape founders decide, you know what? I think it's time I exit crypto, and we see the token dump down to a dollar. So, I guess it's all relative, and it's it boils down to: Are they going to build a self-sustaining ecosystem that can function without them? Or is this just a cash grab to milk as much as they can out of a profile picture project? Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point because w- what's the end game now, right? Like, I mean, like a, a billion dollar payday to me sounds like an, an end. sounds like an end game. So for me, this this token is off the table as an investment. Yeah, there, there's no ways I would buy into it right now. If it dumps back down to two dollars, like I said, then maybe <laughs> maybe I'll look. Um, but you know, that, that being said, I'm not negative on it. It may sound like it, but I honestly wish this project all the best because if ApeCoin can pioneer this new direction for NFTs, this could rebirth the true fundamental, you know, basis of what the NFT technology is promising. These ecosystems built around digital identities. And I think that is largely beautiful. And I think I really do hope ApeCoin succeeds and I really do hope the team pulls through and makes it happen. And, you know, I, I really hope that they can build a thriving metaverse, build a thriving crypto-based ecosystem, but also IRL ecosystem around the egg token and show what a true business model can be in a decentralized world based on NFTs. Um, and if something like that is to happen, well, it sets a new precedent and hopefully it signals to, you know, all the NFT community, including the retail idiots that just buy rug pull projects, that there is quality out there and you don't have to fall for the shit and you can actually buy good projects. Just by the way, though, I mean, quality, you can have a quality funding mechanism as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, is, is Apecoin an investment? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think you'd really have to fight me on that. I think it's, it's, it's purely speculation. Yeah. I mean, last week I, I, I touched on it. You know, the, the best way to expose yourself into any ecosystem, regardless of what it is, is to buy the underlying assets. You know, if you want to buy into Ethereum, the best way to buy into it is holding ETH rather than DeFi protocol governance tokens. You know, if you want to buy into the Solana ecosystem, the best thing is to hold salt because the underlying asset will always be the safest investment within that ecosystem. And in the board Ape community, holding an actual app 
is the best way to go about it, the most risk adverse way of approaching the market if you are going to invest into something so speculative. So, yeah, I mean, my, my bias here is, you know, there's, there's a long road ahead for Ape coin and yuga labs and there's a lot to prove there's a lot to to you know succumb and i mean i'm not a huge fan of DAOs, but you know let's see let's see how it all plays out and you guys are spoke of end game and an end game to all of this uh you know the first thought that popped into my head was essentially you know especially when you're looking at something like apecoin you hear in their press releases board ape yacht clubs press release saying you know we want to create a currency of the board ape yacht club ecosystem and the end game you know depending on how big you want to go obviously you know the first po- thought that popped into my head was well we want to have a global is the goal is there is an, an end game is you know a global payment network or a global payment currency and and john's you shared uh with us last night which we're gonna have a s- small conversation around is this amazing graphic published by Bitcoin magazine basically showing uh, the Lightning Network uh, versus Solana versus Visa versus PayPal versus Ethereum, basically a graphic of their transactions per second with Lightning Network coming in at the top 40 million transactions per second. And and this I can be corrected on this, but I'm pretty sure, John, just clarify when you break this down, that is a projection, right? 40 million transactions per second. And for, you know, for, for, um, for perspective on that, Visa, who most of us use either Visa or MasterCard, debit card every single day to make your purchases, those networks, they, per this graph, and I've heard, you know, 50,000 transactions per second, but this graph says 25. So somewhere in that range, but then you have Lightning allegedly having, you know, 40 million transactions per second. I mean, that's ridiculous compared to Visa. Uh, Solana has 65,000. Ethereum which is obviously built on a more slower, secure proof-of-work system, is 15 transactions per second. Bitcoin is seven transactions per second. So you have these huge variables between different networks and how you know how fast they can produce transactions. Maybe, Luca, take us through an approach. You know, when we are looking at essentially the race to become the next global reserve com- currency, and you know, crypto trying to build the next payment network in the world. What are what are your thoughts when you work through this, when you break down a graphic like this? Um, any observations and maybe also just uh, maybe sticking in some definitions there between layer twos, layer ones, layer zeros, and what this all means? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, money has three purposes um unit of account medium of exchange and store of value i mean bitcoin's fundamental value proposition um has been store of value right it's been referred to as uh, digital gold i mean the actual network is not really scalable from a kind of retail transaction perspective what these layer twos basically enable is higher throughput so Lightning is a layer two for Bitcoin coming in at higher than Solana. I mean, this graphic really shocked me. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize it was that fast. Um, but, but, but basically what, what this Lightning is enabling is for Bitcoin to fulfill the um, medium of exchange function of money effectively. So it's actually quite a powerful concept if you think about the fact that, you know, you don't, you've never really used gold to exchange uh, as medium of exchange in modern times, right? It's kind of the store of value, this inflation hedge. And Bitcoin has been chipping away at gold's market cap. Um, and now you've got the prospect, or well, I mean, we've got MVPs, we've got strikes, Bitcoin API. It's not really just the prospect. Um, now you have this situation where you could basically hold your money in a sound store of value effectively and transact on the lightning network. So your, I, I guess the last limitation, and, and I mean, maybe this is not really a limitation. I mean, we need a, a, sta- a stable scope with which to price things. And um, unit of account uh, will, will probably remain the dollar, but it's, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, it, effectively, how, how, how do layer 
two's work. Um, I, so <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think the classic. Luca, I always throw you the technical stuff. questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the 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 the, um, the classic example is like you, you go to a bar and instead of swiping your credit card every time you grab a beer, uh, you basically run up a tab. Um, Lightning is actually quite complicated. Um, but that is fundamentally how it works. You bundle transactions um, in, in kind of like a multi-sig setting. Um, but a lot of this complexity is actually just being abstracted by, um, by well, I don't really want to call them middlemen, application layers, wallets. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really exciting. And I mean, the, the just to draw the line there, um, if you were transacting on the normal Bitcoin network, it takes transactions with each block being uh, you know mined and and validated essentially it takes 10 minutes for that transaction to settle versus on lightning correct me if i'm wrong luca and john it's it's instantaneous settlement yeah. uh, because of the bundling and everything because of also the proof of work that you have on bitcoin um the system that essentially the blockchain is built on and how it operates you have a high fee that you have to pay on that transaction so if you're trying to buy a coffee for ten dollars i mean that's a that's definitely from starbucks if you're buying ten dollars worth of coffee but essentially you'll have, you could pay like a fifty dollar fee on the bitcoin network whereas uh, on the on lightning network it's one satoshi which is like one tenth of a bitcoin which is drastically reduces the transaction okay. costs and <laughs> what, is it is it one tenth is it not one tenth that- what is it? One hundred. One Bitcoin is how, how much is that right now? Four oh, sorry, that's four thousand. Sorry, <laughs> that's why I have my fact checkers. We're like ten x Ethereum gas fees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Easy Luca. That, Luca, hey Luca, that's why I give you the technical questions, brother. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, it's 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 really fascinating. I mean, we've we've spoken about the narrative on this podcast for a while now about kind of the flight to value. Really, what what are the best investments? How how can you abstract away the speculation? Um, you know, it's it's these foundational technology layers, and this <laughs> this uh, analysis here, um, if anything, just underpins that. Jonty, how do you think about uh, you know getting down to you know you know looking forward into the future? How do you get down to a conclusion of this? Like, is do we see a winner? Whether that's the dollar, whether that's Visa, whether that's Lightning, whether that's Ethereum side chains or whatever you know other layer two solutions, do we see a winner in the future? How on earth are we meant to decide? A future when different change, diff- chains, different tokens, different blockchains are always being created. Um, you know, is there a world where Dogecoin or Shiba or ApeCoin is the, you know, payment like the the global reserve currency? Uh, how do you think about it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's. I think straight off the bat, you know, I think crypto is the future. Um, so I think a decentralized payments mechanism is is the only way forward. Um, yeah, so, but I, I kind of think that the question more boils down to what is the future consensus, you know, is it proof of work or is it proof of stake? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, Lightning Network offers, you know, proof of work security, which is the premium security with incredibly high security and proof of stake, maybe not as secure, solves a lot of the energy intensive measures of using Bitcoin and all those things. So... I think the question is going to boil down more to what consensus mechanism wins or, you know, what gets global adoption. And right now I think proof of stake will likely take the, take the cake because of, you know, it's, it's not as energy intensive and that is a huge concern for a lot of government regulation and things like that. Um, But, you know, that's not to say there can't be a world where proof of work survives and where proof of work actually becomes the premium option due to how secure it actually is. So I think at the end of the day, it's very difficult to say so early on in the technology, what will be the winner and what won't be. Um, but my bias is, you know, I'm, I'm not a Bitcoin maxi. I think Bitcoin is fundamentally brilliant, you know, as a store of value, but I think it fails as a medium of exchange because you can't value, you know, such a volatile asset as money. 
Um, you know, you don't want to spend $10 on a coffee today, but then in a year's time, that coffee might have cost you $200. And I think, you know, when you look at Ethereum, you know, they've got their ETH 2.0 merge coming out. Like, you know, the speculation is that will be launched before Q3 this year. Um, you know, my prediction is it will be out sometime in June. You know, once we have that scalability upgrade for ETH, you know, we're going to start seeing a much higher transaction throughput. We've got Matic as the layer two scaling solutions for the Ethereum network. And yeah, I think, you know, the prospect of stable coins operating on a very decentralized uh, network that's scalable and fast, maybe not as secure as proof of work, is more adoptable to people, especially considering Bitcoin's still a tough concept for most to wrap their head around. So I think at the end of the day, you know, dollars, dollar standard is still going to be there for, you know, maybe a couple more decades. And with that, I think proof of stake will will probably lead the charge in, in global adoption of future payments, um, especially through stable coins. Um, but that's not to say we can't see, you know, kind of a gold standard scenario reser- return with Bitcoin and Lightning Network. Yeah, and I mean, the counter argument, though, Johns, is do you not see, you know, Lightning, especially if this graphic that you showed again, going back to it, 40 million transactions per second. And you've, you've essentially got your, your, you've stored your value on one of the most secure permissionless uh, censorship resistant networks with essentially a very fast way of transacting. Does that not mean Bitcoin can be a dark horse? Cause you see a lot of Twitter sentiment writing Bitcoin off instantly. And that's, that is uh you know, that is sentiment against the Bitcoin maxi, narrative where it's bitcoin or nothing if you don't like bitcoin you're essentially ostracized from our community and that very you know very aggressive sort of community are there is bitcoin not a dark horse in this i mean you know it could very well be but at the end of the day bitcoin's value is derived from its scarcity you know it's it's what in 13 days time the 19 millionth bitcoin will be mined about 5 million bitcoin is lost you know, so we actually only have 14 million circulating, but, you know, most of that's, I think it's like three or four millions locked on exchanges. And, you know, you've got, like, there's not really a lot of Bitcoin to go around. So, like, Bitcoin to hit a million dollars in a decade's time is probably coded to happen. You know, not guaranteed, like nothing is ever guaranteed. But, yeah, so so transacting with Bitcoin today at $40,000 a coin versus transacting in 10 years' time at a million dollars a coin, you can't call that money you know, your, your, your unit of account is not consistent. You know, $5 paid in dollars today will be $5 paid in dollars, you know, in 10 years by inflation. But, you know, $5 of Bitcoin today might be $5,000 of Bitcoin, you know, in, in 10 years. And for me, that's just not a sustainable medium of exchange. Um, so I think Bitcoin more likely is going to become the digital gold and if we ever are to return to a form of gold standard, then Bitcoin will thrive as the as the main payment mechanism. But at the end of the day, I think for the decades to come, at least in our lifetime, it's going to be a very long time before we see the world you or the dollar lose global reserve status. Um, and with that, I think stable coins are the most adoptable. And guys, it's not hard to imagine a world where we see all of these platforms and payment networks essentially coexisting obviously to varying degrees where, you know, Ethereum might have way more popularity in the future and might be a dominant payment network, whereas the dollar might still be around. Um, You know, like we saw PayPal pop up as a, you know, a a separate layer, almost a layer two on top of the dollar, you know, we might see different, different sort of networks and tokens coexisting. And, we may just exist in a world where we jump around and there's, there's seamless ways of transacting and getting in and out of different things. You know, if I want to spend the weekend in, in the board ape metaverse, I quickly, you know, exchange my ETH or dollars or whatever it might be over the Coinbase crypto bridge, which is secure, whatever we talked about bridges a couple of episodes ago and the risks inherent in them. But as the technology improves, there's no reason why I can't jump around different ecosystems as I, as I wish, um, you know, moving my value through space and time, um, you know, as opposed to Bitcoin or nothing, Ethereum or nothing. Um, Luca, I don't know if you have any comments on that, any closing thoughts before we, uh, wind it up. 
the technology works today. I, I think that's an important thing to remember. You you can use Lightning Network today. The limitation is just the adoption on the service provider side, the kind of product side, sell side. Um, so, you know, and it's not the only technology that works. Like we see, we've got all these chains, we've got all these blockchains, and they work. Um, and we're in the adoption cycle. Uh, I, I agree that I don't think there will be necessarily uh, one one chain that takes all market cap, but there will almost certainly be one chain to rule them all, which will just have the widest adoption space. Um, and my money's on Bitcoin. And uh, there you have it from the wizards, soon to be pirates. Uh, thanks so much for another episode, boys. It was great as usual. I really enjoyed it. Um, shout out to everyone in the live room on call in. We really appreciate it uh, every weekend, week out. Um, and also, you know, just remember that, uh, you know, if you're having a, a tough week, just remember that someone, um, you know, last week borrowed five board apes, claimed a million dollars worth of ApeCoin airdrops, sold the, returned the NFTs, sold the ApeCoin and netted about $600,000. So just remember that anything's possible and you can achieve all your goals. <laughs> Another shout out actually to that Chad, that Giga Chad, who actually executed that transaction. I don't know if you guys actually read about that or heard that. Yeah. Heard that. Insane. I'm like, I was so blown away. I was like, like I, I wasn't mad. I was like, like respect to that guy. Johns, why weren't you on to this? <laughs> I was sleeping, bro. <laughs> no, no that look, was, that's, that's vision for opportunity there, man. Congrats to that Giga Chad, for sure. 100%. Talking about opportunity, uh, we've got episode 20 next week. Uh, big week. We're going to have to go back to the drawing board and plan something special. Um, or not. Uh, just uh, usual usual programming as as, uh, as usual to come. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone who tuned in. And uh, from myself and the Wizards, a big thank you. And we will see you all next week for episode 20. Bye-bye, everyone.